0: This morning, if you have been uh, following along with us, um, we have been in a a series that we are calling Faith Over Fear. And and hopefully that has been a series that has blessed you and ministered to you, uh, a series that has encouraged you as we have been walking through this unique season in our uh, history, in the history of our nation and and in our own lives. Um, This morning, though, I want to just share with you what I believe is something that God has put on my heart, um, as I've been thinking about all that has transpired over roughly the past two weeks now, uh, in the aftermath and following um, the, the the murder of George Floyd, and, and and let me just say this as I begin to that 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 um, I, I'm not here to cast judgment. About people's hearts or motives, I don't believe that's my job. I believe that belongs to the Lord. Um, what, what i what I can say is, is that I, that I know that there are a whole lot of people hurting right now. Um, what I can say is that that this incident has has stirred up all different kinds of uh, um, emotions and feelings and, and and responses, memories of of past traumas, of past experiences, of of wounds and and of hurts, and so 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 there is uh, uh, in, in particular. I, I mean, all of that for our African American brothers and sisters in that community at large, who have lived these experiences of of racism and historical oppression and the injustices connected to that, and. And so I just want to acknowledge and say that that there is very real uh, felt pain uh, being experienced in in all of this, and and it's important that we acknowledge that. I, I think sometimes that that that's easy for us just to say, yeah, well, what about and, and fill in the blank. But but it's good for us just to acknowledge that there are people uh, right now who are hurting. There are people who are experiencing pain and wounding, and and maybe for for some of you watching this morning, uh, maybe as you've thought, maybe all of this just affects you personally. Uh, uh, Maybe uh, it's personal for you because you've lived it. Maybe it's personal because you have actually, you've felt that sting of racism and oppression and and different uh, uh, injustices that are connected to that, and so it feels personal to you. Uh, Maybe for others of you, it feels more personal to you because though you don't have any any firsthand experiences, you just are, have some loved ones. You have people you're really close to and, and you're feeling that for them. For others of you, it might not necessarily feel personal, but you just feel deep empathy for people who hurt. And maybe still for others of you, you don't really know what you feel or, or how to feel in all of it. I, I can tell you that that for me, as all this was happening and transpiring, it, it felt more personal to me. Um, it felt like it, it it all hit a little bit closer to home, not because of my own personal lived experiences, but but, but simply because, as many of you know, I come from a, a racially mixed family. I have African-American siblings. I have African-American nephews who I love. and And, and I know some of the stories that they have shared of times when, this has happened to them uh, when they have felt that when they have been wounded or hurt or attacked simply because of the color of their skin and that breaks my heart and it breaks my heart for them and it breaks my heart as I think about them. And, and so I was thinking about all this and I thought, man, God, I want to I talk about this. I want to share about this. I want to touch on this issue of of race and racism. And, and I was convicted of this thought uh, and, and the conviction was this, that that this isn't, something or a subject or an issue for me to speak about or to talk about because it feels somehow in some way personal to me, but rather because it's personal to God. Uh, When it comes to the things that really matter, okay, I want you to hear me this. What's of primary importance is not my or your subjective experience or feelings or thoughts about a matter. What is of Primary importance is what does God think and feel about it. What's of primary importance is what does God say. It's not what do I think. It's not what do they think. It's not what do they say. It's not what does this book that I read have to say about this issue. It's not what did I learn from that Facebook meme. Right, like whatever it is. It's that that God. What do you say? And will I trust what you have to say about it? Is the word of God sufficient for me and for us and for all things that pertain to faith and practice, as his word says. I I believe that for us as Christians, the answer to that has to be yes. And and that for us to have a right understanding, for us to have right perspective, then we need to begin with God and his word. And so that's where I want to start this morning. I just want to pray for us as we get into this. And, and I really want the Lord just to speak and to minister because here's one of the things that I know for certain, haven't preached for a number of years now, is that, that anytime you speak about an issue that's sort of a hot issue or there's a lot of emotion connected to that, um, we invariably hear and don't hear what we, what we want to hear and not hear. Are you with me? So, so I want to pray. I want to ask that God speaks and that all of us hear what God wants to say. Because if we can grab hold of what God wants to say, then we can move in what God has for us. Amen? So let's just pray, and then we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for this time. God, thank you that you are here, that you are present, that you are with us. God, thank you for your word that is true. God, thank you that your word Lord, is living and active that your word has the ability, God, to transform and change us. And Father, I pray that, that as we open your word, that as we share in your word today together, that God, you would speak, that you would minister in every heart, that you would open up every set of ears, Lord, to hear your voice, God. Father, to hear what it is that you have to say. And God, that our hearts will be open to receive what is of you. So Lord, would you just come? God, would you just minister by your spirit, every person watching, every person who will, God? Or would you speak? God, give us ears to hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. When we open up the Bible from the very beginning of its pages in genesis genesis chapter 1 verse 1 we learn that in the beginning before there was anything else there was god that the first four words of the bible are in the beginning god okay god is eternal which is to say that god has no beginning and he has no end god is simply always And what scripture goes on to tell us is that this all-originating, all-sustaining God creates and brings forth into existence uh, everything, and he does so with his words. He just speaks and it, and it happens. That's how powerful God is. So God says, let there be, and whatever he says next comes uh, to be. Light, darkness, earth, water, sky, all the plants and, and vegetation and creatures uh, to fill them. God speaks and they just are, but, but then God turns his attention to mankind. He turns his attention to creating mankind. And here's what it tells us in Genesis 1:26 and 27. It says, then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, a couple things I want to point out here a few things. Uh, First, that that God created mankind, which is to say then that we are the created and not the creator, which means then that that who we are and what we are, our purpose and our identity and our value is defined by God and not by us. Secondly, uh, here notice that we are created uniquely from the rest of all of God's creation unlike anything else. When you read Genesis chapter one, there is a a rhythm in the Hebrew and it's saying, God saying, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. And and then you hit verse 26 and and it turns hard. It takes this hard pivot and God says, let us make. And and it's meant to, to give great emphasis to what God is about to say. And God, the father, God, the son, let us, God, the Holy Spirit, they say, let us make human beings Right? Let us make human beings in this amago day in the image of God. See, see, different from all of the rest of creation, you and I were, were made uh, w- and designed with this capacity and destiny to image God, to magnify our maker, to like a mirror reflect him, so that what he is like, his nature and his character and his ways, his love and his goodness and truth could be put on display through us. Uh, This uniqueness then also means that there is an, an inherent dignity and value and worth and purpose given to every man and woman and child without exception, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of class or color or creed or socioeconomic status, because every person is then created as an image bearer of God for you and I then to look upon or treat any other person other than as an image bearer of God with dignity, value, worth, and purpose is, is not simply in an affront to that person. It is an affront to God himself. Thirdly, no, notice here that God doesn't create people groups. Uh, God doesn't create races of people and then sort of assign one as the superior race of them all, right? God makes a person. God creates one race, one mankind, the, the the human race that all of us share in so that all of us, regardless of our color or ethnicity or our geography, all of us then are an expression of that one image, all of us bearing together. We all make up that race. We together are God's tapestry, this, this beautiful mosaic of the image of God, made up an array of color and of people and looks and all kinds of things that that we are this picture of Imago Dei, the image of God. What happens though is, and we read about this in Genesis chapter three, is that 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 when it comes to the human race, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they rebel and they sin against God. And sin enters into our world and into our humanity and it corrupts everything. And sin not only breaks our fellowship and our union, our relationship with God, but sin also breaks our union and our fellowship with one another. And it causes division and it causes separation amongst us. And no one is immune from it. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned, that we all share in the corruptible nature of sin and its effect upon upon us. The Bible says the heart is deceptively, that is wicked above all things, okay? Uh, So as image bearers, then sin leads us away from the glory of God so that our default satisfaction and joy is no longer in treasuring or knowing or trusting or reflecting God, but rather it is in ourselves and our own self-exaltation. So not only are our hearts now naturally bent away from loving and honoring God and seeing him rightly, but also our hearts are naturally bent away from truly loving, honoring, and valuing one another and seeing each other rightly. And the consequence of this very thing and this is every kind of evil against one another. It's all kinds of sin, right? Which is why the first act that we see in Scripture following the fall, the very next chapter in Genesis chapter 4, is one brother killing his own brother. And this has been the common story of mankind ever since. Because our hearts are wrongly bent by sin away from God and away from one another when it then comes to the things that divide us, when it comes to the things that turn us against one another, when it comes to things like hatred, when it comes to things like racism and all other isms for that matter, the problem is not primarily an upbringing problem. It is not primarily a behavioral problem. It's not primarily a societal or systemic problem or political problem. It is firstly a sin problem. It's a heart problem. It is our sinful condition that causes us to see and treat certain people as other. It is because of sin that we fail to see and to honor the beautiful diversity of the Imago Dei, the image of God in all of mankind. And that killing of George Floyd a couple of weeks ago was just really one more example in a historical and biblical sea of examples that tells the story of our broken and sinful Condition and what man is capable of, the evil. And at the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that God comes to reconcile and restore mankind not only to himself but also to one another. That, that, that's the heart of God. Uh, we get this great picture at the end of the Bible in, in Revelation chapter 7 where we're given this glimpse into heaven and, and what it tells us is that, that there we see people from every tribe it says, from every tongue, with every language, right? from every nation and place, all, everybody's there, all the people together as one, one family glorifying and praising God together, that's the work of the gospel. Issues like racism aren't primarily a social issue. They are primarily a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue because sin is the problem and Jesus is our solution. It's a gospel issue because mankind can't fix his own heart. We can't make us ourselves better with better teaching or training or laws or policies or systems. Those things might help some, but they can't fix us because what's first broken and in needing of healing and restoration is that which is within us. It's our heart, and only the transformative work of the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform hearts and make us new. The gospel is paramount, not just for us and our own hearts, but really for the condition of the whole world. Because, because listen to me here as I say this, that, that 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 you don't get the kingdom of God in the culture apart from the king. You don't get the kingdom of God apart from the king ruling and reigning within his creation, his created being, within mankind, right? You don't get the kingdom without the king. It doesn't work that way. You get the king and the king ushers in his kingdom. And he brings forth that work in us and then through us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks about this reconciling work of the cross of Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this in verses 14 through 16. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which which he put to death their hostility. Do you see the movement here? It starts with division, hostility, separation between us as people separated by racial and ethnic, even legal and political lines. But through Jesus, it says, the barriers and walls that have divided us have been destroyed through the reconciling work of Christ's blood shed on the cross. God makes us one in him. It says that his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, one new mankind. That word uh, new in the Greek is this word kinda. It means of a new kind, unprecedented or unheard of. It's not so much like the newest version of a car, it's like the first car. This is God in Christ Jesus creating a new mankind, a new people, uh, the people of God. Now, let me just say really quick something that this means and doesn't mean, okay? This doesn't mean that as people of God, we magically become colorblind and we don't see diversity or all those things, okay? What it means is that we as the church, we as the people of God have been empowered to celebrate our diversity because we are able to see one another rightly through the lens of Christ as each as image bearers of God, as family, as one people bought by the blood of Jesus, when we do not do this, when we, when we see one another as other, when we treat one another as other, then we are out of step with and out of line with the truth of the gospel and the blood that Jesus shed to reconcile us to him and each other this very thing happens in the book of Galatians the apostle Paul speaks about it in in chapter 2 uh, verses 11 through 14 he talks about Peter he says when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch I opposed him to his face for what he did was very wrong when he first arrived he ate with Gentile believers who were not circumcised but when some friends of James came Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore fearing the criticism of the Jews who insisted on the necessity of circumcision and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him even and Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So Peter and these others are separating themselves out. They're treating a particular group of people as other. And look what Paul says in verse 14. He says, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I confronted them. Reconciliation, harmony, oneness is at the heart of the gospel. Jesus died for it. And according to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18, God not only reconciles us to himself through Christ, but he also gives to us the church, his ministry of reconciliation to be carried on. That, That God is making his appeal through us, that we are his ambassadors and God has given us that ministry, that work to do. So it's on us. We, church, are meant to be the prophetic voice calling out to the culture, calling out to our world. We are meant to be a gospel-proclaiming, reconciliation-ministering people who in all things look to and point others towards Christ because he is the answer for sin and brokenness and all things that divide us, including racism. He, God, Christ is the answer. And it is in him and through him That true transformation happens in us and through us. And where true peace is ultimately found for us and amongst us. Like we read in Ephesians 2, he himself is our peace. Jesus doesn't just give us a peace. He is our peace. And the kind of peace that that Christ brings to us and offers us in himself, it's not the kind of peace where where we simply sort of like lay down our differences or or, or we put down the, the, the things that divide us and stop fighting with one another. It is the kind of peace that makes us one another. This is the kind of peace that brings forth the Imago Dei and an ability by God's Spirit to see that. And to walk in that, the image of God in every person. Our world, our nation, our cities, our neighborhoods, they're hurting. They're broken. They're they're divided in so many ways because of sin and the effects of sin. And God's answer, what God says is the hope in that is Christ in you. That's what Colossians 1 tells us. The the, the hope for for the nations, the hope for for change, the hope for transformation is Christ in you, church. The hope of glory. And that's the invitation of God to us as people. to, To allow that gospel to be so rooted in us. To receive that gospel and to proclaim that gospel. For that gospel to transform us and for that gospel through us to transform our world.